From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guests this week are Philip and Jeffrey Burchard, the president and CEO of New Jersey-based wall covering company, Philip Jeffries. In the early 2000s, the brothers took over the family business from their father and have since grown it to employ 160 people with operations all over the world. We spoke about their spirited company culture, why a little stress can be a good thing, and how something called whip tag has made all the difference. If the home is your business, High Point Market is your must-see event. Experience the most amazing and expansive selection of products on the planet. Get the latest ideas from our industry's leading thinkers and enjoy near-endless opportunities to build your professional network. Visit highpointmarket.org to see what's next and mark your calendar now for High Point Market, October 19th through the 23rd. Still haven't gotten your ticket yet for Business of Home's inaugural Future of Home conference? It's September 9th and 10th in New York City, and yours truly will be hosting, along with my colleagues Sophie Donaldson, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nicholas. The speaker lineup includes all-stars like Rent the Runway co-founder Jenny Fleiss, Pulitzer Prize-winning art critic Jerry Saltz, Google's design director Kate Freeburn, and many more. Check out futureofhome.com for the full roster. We want you there, our devoted podcast listener. So lock in your spot before we sell out. A special shout out to our biggest sponsors, High Point Market, Google Nest, and Benjamin Moore, who are making this important event possible. See you there. Let's talk about the big thing that's coming up for you guys in a couple of weeks internally at Philip Jeffries. So this is our annual Philip Jeffries Spirit Week. This is an annual event where we bring in nearly the entire company. About 160 people will be there. And we reinvent... All out to your Fairfield, New Jersey headquarters? All out to our Fairfield, New Jersey headquarters. Okay. And uh, everyone in the company is divided into separate teams. And they're all given tasks where they have to put on a skit about either our vision or our one of our, our six core values and explain to the rest of the company through a skit or song what it's all about. Oh my gosh, uh, this go, sounds go so fun. I, I want to come to this so badly, but I'm worried I'm going to have to, well, A, I'm going to have to learn whip tag. Yes, yeah. whip, right? whip tag. Yeah. Which, yes. is, which is the core <laughs> values. Absolutely. So let's run through quickly what the core values are sure. and what whip tag stands for. It's uh, wow fun, integrity, passion, Teamwork, accountability, and growth. And okay. uh, everybody at Philip Jeffries, uh, you know, sometimes there's values on the wall and, and nobody knows what the heck they are. You can literally walk down our hall and ask anybody what Whip Dagger stands for and they can tell you. Um, in fact, uh, everybody <laughs> at Philip Jeffries is eligible for a bonus uh, from top executives uh, <clears throat> all the way up and down the, the structure. And the number is based on your role. But it's also based on how you lived uh, WIPTAC. How you live the values. How, how you, you live, live the values. values. And you score yourself on each one of the values. And then your uh, leader, your team leader slash manager also uh, scores, uh, you. scores you. And then you guys have a conversation about where, where you landed. And is that part of your annual review process or is that done... Quarterly. Quarterly, you think. And, and, and this all came out of the, the concept around the fact that we wanted to grow. Right. And, and when we wanted to grow, we were a small little company, uh, you know, seven people when Philip started, eight when I started. And, <laughs> right. and then we grew up to 15 and then 20 and then 25. And, and uh, when we, we got to 25, we said, you know what? 
at some point, we're going to want to really grow this thing, and, and we see this thing growing, but how do we make sure it feels the same way at 50 or 75 that it feels at 25? And that was when we created these values and decided uh, with our executive team how we're going to reinforce this and, and try and make it part of our lives. Did you both sort of fundamentally have kind of the, the, the energy and the sort of the rah-rah spirit that you need to have in order to sort of instill these kind of values in an organization? You know, first it was we decided we, what did we want to be, and it was deciding that we want to be the world's best wall-covering company and really be super focused on that. And then uh, year two, it was, okay, you know, how did we want our company to feel? Like Jeffrey said, what would be our true North Star? Most of the time, you're with the people at work right. more than you are with your own sure. family. Yeah. Uh, and it's sad but true fact. So let's make it a really fun, amazing environment here. And, and the, the other thing that I would uh, uh, add to that is um, our growth value. And so for us, growth means two things. It means company growth, because when Philip and I joined, we had been working in Fortune 500 companies, and suddenly we're in a family, a mom-and-pop business of seven people, including mom-and-pop, right. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we wanted to grow. And, and the second side of it is we want every single person at Philip Jeffries to grow by learning. And talking about culture, we have this huddle, which is unbelievable, where we have the whole company come together. And, and is this daily at 11.45 this happens? Daily, 11.45, okay. uh, over 100 people, the whole company comes in. And by the way, on Mondays, we have everybody uh, in, uh, around our showrooms around the world actually webinar in. So you see, it's like the Brady, so it started great. out as a Brady Bunch with like the nine, oh, you know, th- th- Thank you for making it so applicable for my life. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I thought I wanted to be an architect early on. I was a Brady Bunch. You know? <laughs> of course, Mike Brady. I mean, Absolutely. Who didn't? Yeah. Of course. And, oh, uh, the time that he forgot those plans and oh, don't even, was that, that, why, yeah, not even that was go down there. Anyway, yes. So you've got the whole company dialed in. Exactly. Um, and once everybody is in, we start out by uh, talking about those values you mentioned, whip tag. Yeah. So we literally, uh, anyone in the whole company goes out and gives basically a shout out for doing something right. Because the question I always ask everybody is, have you ever gotten too much praise in the office? And, and, and I've asked that question over 100 times, and not one person has ever said they get too much praise. So it's basically a systemized way of every day giving people shout-outs. And it just feeds energy. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's so fantastic. I've, I've got to do that with Lauren, our producer, a lot more. I've got to be a lot more supportive and, and give her shout-outs much more. I don't know. We, we walked in. She was very smiley. Right? She's very yeah. smiley. Yeah, very yeah. smiley. We're, we're going to work on that. We're going to work on giving her some, some special shout-outs. Okay. We're, we're depriving America of the, of the fantastic story of your okay. father starting a company out of his garage because we're going we're gonna to talk about that perhaps with, with Eric himself one day. Uh, but let's, let's jump forward. So both of you go off to university, both of you separate universities, both of you go off and, and join Fortune 500 companies. And both of you are thinking originally you weren't coming to join dad with, with the business, but then there was sort of the, the fateful, right? T- tell me about the fateful sort of meeting Absolutely. at the salt and pepper diner, right? To, yeah. Right? You're such a good listener. <laughs> so, uh, the story is that right out of school, uh, Jeffrey and I were both living in Chicago, and Jeffrey was traveling. Uh, he was a consultant for Ernst & Young, traveling to a different city each week. And every Saturday morning, we'd go to the Salt & Pepper Diner, and we'd talk about what are we going to do someday. 
and we, and Jeff and it was like late '90s, and Jeffrey or I would be like, maybe we should just move to San Francisco, do something in tech. Yeah, cause it was like the internet was going crazy right. at the time. It was going okay. with Amazon and eBay and PayPal, and yeah. and you know, we definitely thought maybe you know going into tech. And um, and at the same time, our companies, which we were both really excelling at, both were going through major transitions. Mm. And so Ernst and Young had just, um, which is where you were, which is where where I was. I had been a consultant in the supply chain department for a number of years, and uh, they were spinning off their their consulting division to a Fortune 500 company based in France called Capgemini. Mm. Very very, and suddenly it started to feel very corporate. Okay, right. And, and similarly for me, my company had gotten purchased by. Uh, uh, a C.H. Robinson, a Fortune 500 company, and went from 700 to 17,000. So we were both looking to make an impact, both looking to do something. And uh, we said, and we oh, to do maybe, it together, maybe internet, right? maybe we'll do some real estate. We knew nothing about real estate. And then one of us said, well, what about dad's business? And we said, oh, you know, it was seven people at the time. Mom did the books, and, you know, dad did everything. Everything, yeah. Getting back to salt and pepper, one day, one of us... <laughs> Getting back to the salt and pepper diner. I mean, and it, we basically, one of us said one time, we said, you know, when is someday... I, and Jeffrey says, I said it, he says, I, he, uh, I say he said it, he says, I said it, but one of us slammed the table and literally say, when is someday today? And we just said, let's do it. And I said, let's do what? And Philip said, well, what, let's call dad... And see if we can join Philip Jeffries. And I, I think my recollection is I looked at him stunned because I said, you know, Philip, there, there's like seven people, including mom and dad. Yeah. You know, we started talking about it and said, well, what if we go into the business and Sorry, I'm laughing because my recollection was he said, let's do it. And then the <laughs> next and then t- uh, the next weekend said, you know what? You've been working for a while. I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- probably true. Probably true. And so, uh, you know, I, I give my brother a lot of credit because he was running a big sales team at the time. Right. And he took about a 75% pay cut. Mom and dad took a pay cut. And he joined the business at uh, January first, two thousand one. Two thousand and one, right? Philip, you came on board. Exactly. Right. And and w- had the company transitioned to actually being Philip Jeffries at that point, or was it still wallpaper imports, which sort of your dad? That's another great story. <laughs> <laughs> but for that story, uh, you know, um, it had transitioned. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, through most of Dad's careers, anytime you saw. Uh, a grass cloth in one of the big brands out there that had you know fabric and some grass cloth or carpet and some grass cloth. Dad was the guy usually behind the guy. Okay. And um, it wasn't till I, I guess when I was in, in still in college in a, maybe the ni- mid early nineties that he did decide you know what no more middleman I'm going to go direct. Uh, actually, seven of his eleven distributors had gone bankrupt. So this is like the recession during the uh, after the 92? first Kuwait war. There was oh. a very bad recession. This is when Bush was not elected because yes, of that recession. Right, exactly. And the wall covering industry started to dip down. And I think it was, as Philip mentioned, he had 11 distributors in the United, in North America, and seven of them went bankrupt in one year. <sighs> and, and he uh, decided that the only way to survive was go to the high end. But it was interesting because I remember interesting. Uh, I was in college. We weren't doing well as a family. I almost had to come back. I was at Mich- University of Michigan. I almost had to come back. That whole fall, talking to dad was not great. He was always down. And then one time I called from a phone booth. Do you remember what a phone booth is, Dennis, where you I walk t- in, you put a I quarter? I do. That's, that's where Superman would change into his cape. That's Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I called dad up and I go, dad, how are you? What's going on? And he says, Philip, I'm amazing. I said, that's awesome. Tell me about it. He said, well, I decided I'm starting a new business. 
no more middleman. I'm going to go direct to the designers. I'm going to call it Jeffrey Phillips. And uh, I guess over the next... <laughs> and you said, next, ooh, okay. And I, I, I yeah, guess yeah. we start to... I said, tell me more. And I, I, over the next five to ten minutes, he says, you know what? That's a great point. I'm going to call it Philip Jeffries. And by the way, I was just screwing with you. You're the older one. So so I guess so he, that, said, so I, he said, Philip, you should go into sales. Okay. So this is, this is a huge moment. Suddenly, Philip Jeffries is born. But this is still years before you come on, on board. So... You, you make the decision collectively, both of you, and you can argue amongst yourselves who, who pushed right, right. who or who was ready to jump first. Philip, you came on board in the family business first, right? To, to 2001? Absolutely. So it's okay. 2001. And, you uh, take a huge pay cut. 75% pay cut. I'd been married uh, like a, a, a year. Like All my friends told me I'm, I'm crazy. crazy. Like, Why are you going into the floor covering business? I said, no, it's wall covering, wall covering. And people are like, well, what's wall covering? And um, you gotta love it, grass and, cloth. It's gonna be big. Yeah. And uh, I was still living in Chicago, and basically uh, started looking in Yellow Pages, and we had a few account- accounts out there, and literally calling people up. Uh, you know, we were basically known for our grass cloth, and grass cloth, in uh, at the time wasn't super popular, let alone wall covering, wallpaper. Mm. It, it was very tough, very tough. Uh, we also had the, the double dip of uh, 9-11 happened as well, and no one bought anything for six months. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly. and it was very scary. It was definitely a, a scary sure. moment. Uh, our business really started to uh, dip at that time, and uh, you know, I basically put all my ch- chips on the table, mm. so to speak, to, to yeah. come on board with the family, and, yeah. and, as well as dad and mom. How did you convince your brother two years later to come on board? Because it doesn't sound like things could have been that much better by 2003 when, when brother Jeffrey joins the team as well, also taking a big pay cut. Well, I said, what if we call it Jeffrey Phillips? <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing. <laughs> so, so I think the key for, for me was, um, uh, where, I forget whether they were in San Francisco or Chicago, but I remember sitting down with Phil and Dad, and they were kind of doing a business review. They walked out, and they both said, look, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. You, you, if you want to join, you join. And they left the room. And my mom, who was always kind of the quiet one in the corner, she was the bookkeeper and so forth. And Philip and, and Eric, my dad, walk out. And she walks over to me and, and never put any pressure on me to do anything. And all of a sudden, she looks and says, you know what, Jeffrey? It's time to either crap or get off the can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't know if you know that story. But I said, you know what? All right. This is something that I want to do. This is a dream that Philip and I have had for a really long time. To, to, to be together and really do to, something together, right? To do together, something, right? together. Do something, yeah. something together. Yeah. And so uh, I left my job at uh, Ernst & Young and joined the uh, first week of January 2003. And I'll, I'll say the first, uh, even when Jeffrey came on board, uh, it, we definitely had a lot of issues and obstacles. And it took us, I'd say, about two or three years all working seven days a week, you know, putting a lot of uh, sweat equity, rather, into the business before it really started to, um, to lever up. Was there a, a turning point that you can sort of think back to? I mean, you had sort of winnowed down and you were so, focusing on the wall well, well, covering. I, think that, I were... think that was really the key, which was when we, we joined the business, uh, dad had very much the entrepreneurial mindset, which is a survivor mindset. Sure. I mean, he had been in business 25 years and, and you know the stats better than I. It's like, you yeah. know, one in a thousand companies or 10,000 companies can last 10 years, <laughs> Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And he had lasted 25 at that point. 
And, and he felt that diversifying was one of the keys to survival. And yet when Philip and I really got in and really started to, to understand the business and understand the books and meet with designers, at the time they said, we don't know what Philip Jeffrey stands for. And that was when we kind of decided that we were going to take a stand and say Philip Jeffrey stands for natural textured wall coverings. And, and in fact, you know what? We don't want to be a wallpaper company and uh, a fabric company and a trim company and a rug company and a passementary. You know, we're going to get rid of everything, but we're going to be try and be the world's best at one thing. And that is natural and, and textile wall coverings that has then evolved to, to handcrafted wall coverings as well. Right. And that has been our North Star since that point. I don't remember what year it was, but it was, you know what? This is what our perspective is going to be. This is what our brand's going to be about. This is what our products are going to be about. And this is what we're not going to be good at. We're going to be great at. You know, someone wants, uh, almost every time we go out to some event, someone pitches us on something or says, oh, we should put you in the fabric business or the furniture business or the rug business. One of the hardest parts is saying no, right? When you want to try to, when you're entrepreneurial, you're like, let's try this, let's try that. And it's important to definitely try really innovative, different things and give things a chance. But sometimes you have to say no that allows you to focus on what you know to be the best. So many companies in our industry, especially the big players, are in rugs and lamps and fabric and, and uh, you know, passementry, and they want to be a little bit of everything. But no one knows what these companies stand for. And I think if you look around the industry right now at the companies that are growing and really doing well, be it a boutique company or a big company, they're the ones that say, here's our part of the industry that we're trying to do better than anybody else, and we do it with design. And, and at Philip Jeffries, we try and be the world's best in, in wall covering design. We try and do it in stock. You place an order and you can get it the next day. We try and do it with great sampling. To me, you know, if you want to be successful, choose one thing and be great at it rather than trying to copy someone else and choose a, be lesser than them. Because I do think that there are, uh, you know, sometimes you hear doom and gloom. But I, I, but I, I reached out to five or six people in the industry um, this week who are more focused and specialized. And all their businesses were up. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So, so it's inter- interesting that, we're, that you're both saying that. I mean, I, I think for a long time, the multi-line showroom model was very successful. And I think that, unfortunately, that model is not nearly as successful today. And lots of different reasons for that, and rents, and the, this, and the, a lot of companies went away, and a whole host of things. Um, but, but now, as you were just saying, Philip, both this combination of needing to stay focused and, and just get really good at the thing you're, you're doing and that clarity, Jeffrey, as you were just talking about, in your client's mind about who you are, what you stand for, what I'm coming to you for. Because I see so many people that are just sort of drifting around the building and don't really know, oh, where am I going? What do I need? You guys, it's it's very clear what you're going to Philip Jeffries for, and what you're gonna what you're gonna find there, and and if that's what you want, you're gonna discover this this whole world and, and probably this much broader array of offerings than you might have realized, which is the other benefit of the focus that you guys have. At least that's our strategy. And I will tell you though, um, there's, there's always the other side. The grass is always greener, right? I was talking to a friend who's very focused in the fabric industry, very successful. And he said to me, you know, the problem is that all of a sudden when, you, when you're not in a multi-line, uh, people can go 
looking for furniture after they've chosen my fabric and then they go to some other place for the furniture and they go oh they have fabric too so it it could change too and uh you know if you go to one of these beautiful multi-lines that tell a a great vignette story or tell a a great uh just a great design story it's like i want that in my house and we can't necessarily offer that but what we can offer is beautiful wall coverings and 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 for that client who is looking for something and shopping for something specific Mm. I think we, we, we make it pretty easy for them because, I mean, we have two major goals is one, inspire, and then two, make it easy, be it with the delivery or a great service. Mm. We try to we answer our phones. It's a great day at Philip Jeffries. And I'll tell you what, some people laugh and some people. <laughs> well, so and tell me where that came from. Tell well, me. Tell me where. I'll, some people love it. Some people laugh, but yeah, everyone it creates good energy. Nobody, you know, for the first yeah. time, everyone loves it. And 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 you know what? Uh, not that many people call anymore. You know, people <laughs> people love to email and so forth. But when they do call, our goal is to make them smile and make them laugh. And yeah. and do you like calling Verizon? Do you like calling AT and T? Let's, let's and, sub that yeah. out with a, a phone company or did, a cable company. Did, did you like <laughs> calling a cable company, right? And yeah. sitting on hold for for five minutes and trying to talk into it, and they send you the wrong department. And yeah. versus a human being picking up, and I mean, we we measure everything, right? I mean, we measure our, our goal is to pick up the phone in less than nine seconds, which is two rings. Right. Our goal is to make sure that we reply to emails that come in in less than an hour. Wow. If you place an order before five o'clock, our goal is to ship it out, uh, you know, that night. So it's trying to to measure every single one of those things so that we we can provide amazing service to our clients. That's tremendous. So how so how are you measuring all of that? How are you how are you tracking all of that? So, so we have a phone system with a, a huge uh, computer screen with every one of our phone reps, and it shows how long it's been since their last call and how many calls they've answered. And right. it says the you know right on the whiteboard seven seconds, and today it's at eight and a half seconds. And, and so we have what we refer to as key performance indicators, KPIs, mm-hmm. and we measure every single one of them every single day. And our most important ones, we report at this daily huddle. So you have to report in front of the whole company how you're doing against How you're doing against your KPIs. Metric, daily. Daily. And it goes back to um, you know, something that you and I have talked about before, which is um, at Philip Jeffries, we totally try to have an amazing time and uh, with, our, with the culture uh, we, of making a really fun, great atmosphere, but it's also a very hardworking atmosphere. Yes. And one of the things we tell people at Philip Jeffries is we aspire that this is the best, most fun job you've ever had and also the hardest job you've ever had. And uh, someone's told me that there's stress and distress. Stress is good, positive, um, something that creates. Distress is, oh, I'm going to freak out. We don't want distress. But a little stress is good. If the home is your business, High Point Market is your must-see event. Experience the most amazing and expansive selection of products on the planet. Get the latest ideas from our industry's leading thinkers and enjoy near-endless opportunities to build your professional network. Visit highpointmarket.org to see what's next and mark your calendar now for High Point Market, October 19th through the 23rd. And now, back to the show. You guys set very aggressive growth targets. To your earlier point, you, you recognized that what you wanted to do was grow. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And you, and you took the company from the seven people when you guys sort of first came on board. And how many people do we have now? Uh, approximately 160. Um, in Worldwide. W- Worldwide. Right. With h- how many countries are you in now? 
I believe it's over 50 now. Yeah. Where is growth coming from for you? Because you guys have grown dramatically. How have you made that happen? What's, what's driving growth for you right now? I'd say it's, it's not one particular thing. I'd, I, uh, there's definitely some uh, areas that um, we've uh, taken a look at. What are some territories that we felt maybe we were underserviced uh, that had some great opportunity? And in some cases, uh, those were, um, quote unquote, smaller markets or tertiary markets, and some mm-hmm. they were larger. Uh, for instance, in Canada, um, we had a great partner for many years, and, uh, but we were one of many, many lines. Right. And we decided to make an investment, and we actually uh, hired a, a couple of people in Ontario and one in uh, Vancouver, and uh, we've been seeing some great growth. And uh, people saying, you know... Um, I can get everything I can get in New York, and the pricing is very close. Hmm. Sometimes, you know, internationally, especially with uh, distributors, they mark up and mark up and mark up, and it becomes a little bit more difficult. So um, going direct, we we had an amazing event up in, um, in Toronto, and people said, by the way, people don't do a lot of events in Toronto, and we were just, you know, welcomed with open arms. So Canada has been a fun, uh, new, exciting place for us. Uh, we've taken uh, uh, some smaller markets that, uh, again, are sometimes uh, supported by maybe one person for five states mm-hmm. and taking a look at places like Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and uh, Pittsburgh. We split into two, believe it or not. And having that focus has really helped. One thing I think that's a little unique about us is we decided that if we really want to grow, um, we need to have new product. And... Uh, uh, Bernie De Laconia talked about mm. this in your uh, uh, podcast. She said, you walk in to a designer, I don't care if it's Sag Harbor, Singapore, London or Los Angeles, first thing out of their mouth is, what's new, right? Yeah. 100%. No, no question. And one of the things that we did is we actually came up with the concept of, we're not just going to come up with new product in January or February at, at, at Maison Objet or, or, or Paris Deco Off or in, in September. We were actually going to come out with product three times a year. By doing that, it enabled our sales team and our and our, the, our partner showrooms and agents to actually, every four months, have something new and exciting to share with their clients. So having that additional launch was a huge investment in money, in time, in energy, and it's been uh, something that we think helps uh, get our people in front of the client and the designer who's, you know, it's just very, very difficult. Uh, designers are, are super busy. Everyone is, is uh, everyone's very busy. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is, it, is it harder today to get designers' attention? Is it, is it harder to get that meeting? Is it, I mean, all of that seems harder to, to, to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's uh, one of the biggest uh, obstacles I hear from when I go, I, I, like Jeffrey said, we both travel quite a bit and we ask a lot of questions of designers, of salespeople, but that's definitely one of the, the biggest obstacles I hear out there is uh, it's very difficult to get in to see a, a top designer. And, and at the same time, one of the things I hear from designers is when Philip Jeffries calls, I want to pick up the phone and, and, and I want to see what they have because we have, I think, what are some amazing naturals and, and basics and, and things that are priced really well so you could use it every day. And we have seven designers on staff 
that are constantly coming up with new innovative concepts and designs, like the wood, mm-hmm. uh, hand-laid wood veneer that you were talking about earlier. Which is so and, beautiful. And, and, and the idea is we're trying to wow them. And yeah. so people say, I want to see what's new. I want to see what, what is wow. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we're, we're expanding our product line, still staying within wall covering, still staying within naturals and textures and, and specialties, but expanding each one of those into new areas, um, expanding into a whole line of hand-painted, um, essentially murals that are then digitally printed on linens and silks and grass cloths. And, um, and so, you know, Philip oversees the sales side of the business. I oversee the design side of the business. So I look at it from like more of the merchant than he looks at it from from the the customer perspective. So I think it's great that to have it from both. Jeffrey, you're the CEO and and Philip, you're the president and that's sort of how you divide your, your, your role. So you're out there on the sales and marketing side and the design and operations for, for Jeffrey. Yeah. And, Sometimes I do some design and a little bit of operations. And sometimes yeah, and, he does and some sales and marketing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's interesting, though, that you mentioned about Bernie de la Quonia because one of the other things that Bernie talked about, and again, we were talking about this partially in the context of sort of the, the English model of having street-level locations, right? So she thought, I, I want to do that here. And, and I want to be able to have my product uh, available on, on the street and whatever went along with that. And I would think that you would want to do that too. Well, well what to me is, is more interesting, uh, I had a, a nice conversation with Scott, who is Bernie's right hand mm. here in the States. And one of Absolutely. the things that he said is um, if, for, for doing that, you have to have the back end of it too. So I believe they have their own upholstery, uh, uh, not upholstery, but their own their own window treatment uh, manufacturing part of the business uh, in the UK. So if someone comes in, it's you know here's the fabric, but here it is installed, you know, and and we really don't have that. We don't right. have a, a right. whole team of installers going out there and, and installing it. And that's always been the missing component here in the U.S., whether it's fabric or wall coverings. And we were starting to talk about this earlier. Is sort of the shortage of the great installers because as you were saying earlier jeffrey as great as it can look in the sample or the layout unless it's installed properly and and beautifully and and, and right? the, 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 i was gonna say the installers um you know we're super grateful uh that we have some amazing installers uh around the country and around the world because uh it's one thing to make it, the design but the installers make us all look good yeah and uh you know one of the things we're talking about is uh, that there really is a shortage around the world. And I, I've talked to uh, our, our uh, team in, in, who represents us, our agent in, in Germany and in Italy, and I've heard it in the UK and all over America, it's that there's just not a ton of talented uh, installers out there right now. That there's just, the, the people that do it are great, and there's just not a lot. And it's not just installers, it's uh, uh, fabricators we're hearing it from, from friends in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the fabric blue, industry. Yeah, I think it's the blue collar trades have, are largely disappeared. Yes. And, or are in the process of disappearing. And, and the big joke of the wall covering industry is have you ever met a wall covering installer that hasn't been doing this for 35 years? Yeah. Right? That, yeah. Anytime that there's a problem, well, I've been doing this for 35 years, right? I've never met anyone who said, oh, I just started five <laughs> years ago, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, and well so and have you have you looked into you know are there apprenticeship programs or I mean is that an area where that maybe your next generous investment could be could be made? 
Absolutely. We've, we've uh, started doing some reach out to uh, a bunch of installers. We actually had last year over 35 uh, installers come to our facility and where we, we had uh, everything from here's a tour, here's what that huddle is, here's what a million yards of stock look like. Now we want to ask you guys questions like what, what do you like about Philip Jeffries? What could we do better? And, and start having that conversation of where do you need help? And one of the things, and actually creating a forum for this conver- these conversations to occur. I mean, I mean, I think one of the great things uh, about your podcast is it's, it's really a, a forum to have this conversation about things that we're all talking about at uh, design events or when sure. we bump into each other and to understand and, and learn from one another. And I think that's part one is to create the dialogue because um, there's a lot of business out there if we can uh, find enough of the installers, enough of the fabricators. Uh, I was telling you earlier, I was sat next to the plane on someone who was a shipbuilder and, and he couldn't find welders. In San Francisco, electricians and plumbers are in short supply. And these guys can make good six-figure income. Yeah, And it's funny because you know, over the years, everyone was told you have to go to college. In some cases, you can make a really great living being uh, uh, an, an artisan be it an installer, a fabricator, or what have you. And, and it kills me. I mean, we reached out to numerous uh, uh, vocational schools mm. to, to try and uh, offer a grant. I yeah. can't even get a call back or an email back. And same thing in the fabric industry. Absolutely. And, and you know, we went to the show house this past weekend in the Hamptons, and um, it was interesting. One of the sponsors was the Shade Store, and who seemed to be doing an unbelievable job of creating a national network of installers and to hear many of these high-end designers who are using them. And so I think it's great. Yes. You know, good for them. Yes. And they are a perfect example of a company that's really changed designers' impression of their brand through through working with these designers through these high-end show houses and good for them. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So let's talk because I've, I've kept you guys for a long time and I've got to get you out of here. Um, but let's let's kind of rapid fire some things. Okay. So, you know, we're... We, we have this conference coming up, the Future of Home mm-hmm. Conference, right? And so a lot of the conversation is about where's this industry going? What, what are the next five, 10 years look like? And I'm wondering, since you guys are both obviously sitting around talking about ideas and visions and, and are very forward thinking, which is part of why I wanted to mm-hmm. talk to, to both of you, as I mentioned, where, where do you think some, some big changes are coming or, or, or what are you thinking about? What are some of the issues that, that you're trying to wrestle with? Well, I definitely think um, if we want to continue to scale the industry and get people feeling comfortable uh, about wholesale in addition to retail as, as it becomes more and more transparent, it's really important, I think, that uh, we definitely have additional visibility. Do you want to add anything to it? I think the design trade is ready to explode. I see so many young designers that are starting up. And the question is, where are they finding sources? Because what you don't hear is a lot of young designers walking around the D&D building at 3 o'clock or 4 right. o'clock on a, a Thursday afternoon. They're going online. And, and when I speak to a lot of them, a lot of them are buying retail products because uh, wholesale products are not the, the spec sheets that they need are not available online. The pricing that they need is not available online. They can't get it fast. Right? And so I yep. think one of the things that the industry, if it wants to continue to be relevant, needs to do is it needs to figure out how to digitize itself 
in a way that is meaningful and relevant to the young designer because the young designer could be working for for Jamie uh, Drake and, and Caleb Anderson in their office doing all the buying or it could be somebody who's just starting out on their own but they're searching from their cell phone they're sourcing from their cell phone they want to be able to buy from their cell phone right and and that is and, and complete that transaction and, and complete that transaction and be able to show their client what things are going to be looking like mm-hmm. from their phone yeah and so I think uh, this is a the ability to take somebody's vision, take somebody's concept, and be able to put it in something that um, that a rendering, uh, obviously that's available now, but as that becomes less expensive and continues to become faster, mm-hmm. we all need to figure out how to get our products faster and easier into those renderings. Right. Well, so is that an area that you're looking at, the, the 3D rendering? I mean, I look at a company like Modsy, for example, right? And I wonder why the trade isn't grabbing onto that. They have an incredible ability to lay out a room in in real life detail. And it would seem like wall covering would just be so perfect for that. Boom. Well, it, 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 it is interesting. We, we created this new tool that we call the PJ Mashup where you can basically mix and match uh, any of our textures with different digitals or different custom prints and actually see what it looks like in a room. Hmm. And uh, and we've had a great response to that. And I think that people are more and more visual. Sometimes it's for the designer. Sometimes the designer really needs to, to get it to, to sell it to the client. Sometimes it's the client. They just, no matter what, even if the designer borrows the lar- a whole roll of, of wall covering, that the client sometimes just says, I don't get it. And actually to have that, that, that vision really, I think, helps. I will say one to one contrarian thing about it, though, which is I was talking with a, uh, a designer, actually a, a, a top designer um, in the hospitality world, and he was talking about, and it used to be you would do these watercolors, and the watercolor would all of a sudden create the mood or the feel, and it wouldn't be exactly what you're going to get, but it would actually just create this image or dream. and. One of the things this designer said, and then actually I've heard this now from a couple of designers as I told the story, is clients now, when you give that visual, are like, well, where's this one floor lamp that was supposed to be there when you showed it to me on it? Mm. Or where is that rivet that was here on the hardware? And the whole concept is this is an overall vibe that we're trying to create. And sometimes some of these top designers have told me, that it's become more, more formulaic, less interesting and less fun than when we can go back. So sometimes you go the other direction. Yeah, yeah. hell knows. And, and, and going back to it, the, the other thing I'd say is it's, it's so difficult for a manufacturer like us, and I think this goes to a lot of the, the existing players in the industry, you essentially have to, to really invest and support two models because you have people that want to shop in the showroom, yes. want to go and sit in that chair, want to go and, and look at the wing board to see what that wall covering or that fabric looks like as it drapes or as it stands up. And you have they, they then go specify it, and a, a 25-year-old or 26-year-old or 35-year-old wants to go and be able to place all the POs from their phone or from their computer system at 11 o'clock at night. And so we've built out all of our systems that they're all e-commerce enabled and you can place your, any designer with a login can go in and place their orders online. Uh, Order PJ in your PJs. Right, order PJ. <laughs> and, and, and approve your CFAs and make your payments. Right, and, and you can go all the way through and do that. And yes. at the same time, we've, we yes. went and we opened up a, a, a gorgeous showroom in the gallery in San Francisco. Right. And, and so it's the investment that companies have to make in both sides of it. Which and becomes are, very difficult. Are yes. they and are they 
completing an order on your website. Yes. Yes. More and more. More and more. Yeah. But uh, it's over 90 plus percent, 98% of sample orders come in via the website. Come in via the website. And um, do you remember what it was for actual orders for the wall covering? Maybe about 20%. His last thing was 17. 17, 18%. Uh, 17 or 18% are the orders that are coming through the website. Coming through the website. Right. So yeah. the vast majority are still coming through. Are they, so are they showroom, calling or are they emailing or are they? Emailing right. or going through our network of, of right. showrooms. Yeah, yeah. We have a fax number, but it goes to an email. And I <laughs> I, I actually asked recently, and we do get about one or two a month. But it actually, it, they yeah, think they're fax. It actually, I'm the number surprised. goes and it creates an email. So I'm not I'll surprised. tell you, you got old school, you got new school, and uh, I think Jeffrey is right. Though you, I think there there will always be uh, in some markets a, a place for designers who want to shop, who want to experience yes. it. And and I think you know the millennials were so tainted by the 2008 recession mm. and graduating from college right around then, and the first five years were were just so painful for so many of them, and yet now they've been on this long run of doing very well and they're starting to come into money and and you see the wall street journal there's articles about they're starting to move out to the suburbs and and i just think it's a matter of time before more and more of them hire designers because you might you know try and do your first apartment yourself and then you make all these super expensive mistakes and that's when you you go back and you hire a designer and and i remember the first time i hired a designer i wanted to be involved in every single decision right and and then when we uh decided to decorate years later, I said, can you please just do it? You know, here's what I want to spend and, and I trust you. And here's, you know, generally the look and feel that, that here's my look, here's my feel, here's what I'm right. going for. Yeah. And, and I think that um, this huge, huge millennial generation, which is just starting to come into money and just starting to go into these homes, that they're going to start higher. And, and I hear it now, you know, I'm right on the edge of the Gen X and the millennials. And I see it now, so many of them that are hiring designers and and a lot of the same designers are turning away work because they're so busy. This perception that many of the companies that are, whether it's the D&D building or 200 Lex, that, oh, you know, they're, they're dying off. They're, they'll be gone soon because the world just doesn't work that way. And that's not at all true. You, know, you guys are, are, are growing by leaps and, and bounds, and, and you are coming at it from a, from a growth perspective and you're coming out with oh my goodness three new collections a year and you've got the you know you've you've just got this energy and momentum that you're putting out there and that's i think so important today to have this winning attitude this winning approach the the whole it's a great day at philip jeffries is in part about just putting out this positivity and this energy and i feel like the rest of our industry needs to come on along and and be more optimistic you know the funny thing is patrick frey who often just sort of shouts at me and and says (laughs) dennis they don't understand they don't understand you know he talks about the same thing he says our industry has to sound more optimistic we have to sound as if we're not being crushed by technology. We're, we're right. going to embrace technology. We're not being crushed by what some of these great retailers are doing. We're going to learn from what some of these great retailers are doing and see how we can incorporate that into what we're doing. And to your point, if it means everything has to be in stock, great. We're already there. We we're already doing that. We're already shipping the darn thing out by the end of the day if you put the order in by 5 o'clock. Hello, you might think that Amazon's the only one capable of doing that. No, it turns out Philip Jeffries can actually and, do and, that and too. And now we need to pause and remind everyone to come to the Future of Home Conference. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I mean, you know, that's that's what I hope we're all going to be talking about because I think people think this is so out of reach for them, and it isn't. 
You know, Peter Salek, when, when we sat down, you know, he said, chances are if your company is doing better or if you're feeling better about things, it's because you're making the changes that you need to be making. And if you're not doing well or if you feel like your company is not participating in, in the growth that is going on, chances are you're not making those changes. And I think he's absolutely right. And the thing I'll just add is, you know what? Um, we didn't have our values and our vision and our purpose and and great day at Philip Jeffries and the huddle all like yeah like voila yeah each one took like a year and of introducing it getting it right trying something launching it getting everybody in making sure it works then trying something new and then continuing on so um to anyone who who does feel that it's oh how am I going to do everything let's say start with one thing yeah, there's so many people. I don't. They, uh, people are always teaching me. I don't know too much. And and, and I, <laughs> I, I would agree. You know, Philip and I, we we very much have like a we don't know anything mentality, and we just kind of go with this with curiosity. There, there's a lot of people in this industry, I think, that are a lot smarter than us. Yes. And and I don't know if there's a lot of people that that are going to outwork us because yeah. we really care so much and and we do work and hard. We work hard, and at the same time, we go into it with we want to learn something from everyone. And when we go to these seminars, Philip and I uh, go to, we take a full day off every month just to go to seminars and hear speakers. And then we come back and and, and we uh, ask our executive team as well. We come back with ideas and say, okay, what is one idea that we're going to try and implement? Sometimes I feel like I'm imitating being a CEO because I really don't know, you know, what I'm doing here. And at the same time, um, it's all about learning. It's all about learning. And I will say also, it's it's, it's amazing also having a, uh, a partner that, you know, you trust uh, you know, uh, a partner that pushes you and, uh, you know, a partner who's your best friend and that you've known forever. So I think we're both, uh, we're lucky. at least we're lucky. I, 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 I'm very lucky. Well, you, you guys are both incredibly lucky to, to have each other We are, yes. and, and, and to have this partnership. It's really extraordinary. And, you know, and as I said to you, part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is I just, I see you as such important thought leaders in the, in the industry and that the two of you, people hearing your story can be inspired by the hard work that you put in. And, and that's why I say it wasn't an overnight success. Turns out Philip Jeffries wasn't an overnight right. success. 40, 43 years. They've been grinding away for, for years. Uh, but but you've been pushing each other, and 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 it it really is fan- fantastic what you're what you're doing, and I, I admire it, and I, I hope to be able to come out to global headquarters and and participate and and see it all in action. We'd so. love to have you. Uh, you know, it was definitely a, a great day at Philip Jeffries today. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yes, and, and and I'll just say I think this podcast is so important, and so no, important. no one is bringing the leaders of the industry, the the top designers from the industry, the manufacturers in the industry, and asking them their stories and the tough questions, and asking them where the business is going and where it's been, and and it's become a great education um, for for I think both for Philip and I, and, and we've said to our our leaders of our company, the the management of our company, the the people that want to one day be management. Go and listen to the Business of Home podcast because it is an education in what's going on in the industry. So, uh, well, congratulations to you yeah. and, and thank you. I, the yeah. team I really here appreciate at Business that. of Home. Absolutely, wow. thank uh, you. Well, I, I really appreciate that very much, and I I hope that the industry can be can be brought forward by everything that that we're discussing. And, and I appreciate you being so generous with your with your time and your and your thoughts and and sharing all of this with us. It's 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 a tremendous gift for everyone. Awesome. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. Thank no, you. thank you. So my guests this week have been, as you've heard, I'm Philip. And I'm Jeffrey. And together we are Philip Jeffreys. Jeffreys.
That's the best part. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again for listening. If you're enjoying these conversations, I hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with a friend or heading over to the iTunes store to leave us a review. It really helps others to discover the show. We love your feedback. Please give us your thoughts at podcasts at businessofhome.com. Our show was produced by Fred Nicholas and Lauren Pirelli, and I'm Dennis Scully. We'll see you next week.